Good evening, everyone. Brother Pentecost coming at you tonight. Uh, so excited for yet another episode of 238 Podcasting. Uh, we've had a few nights off just due to some stuff that's been going on, but uh, we are so glad to be back with you tonight. Um, I'm really excited about this. Um, cannot wait uh, for what, what we're going to see going on. Um, tonight, we want to dig into the episode and this is, I want to pose a question to you, it's keeping it simple, don't forget. The question is, is there actually a specific way to live? Um, so in this year of 2021, there's an attitude, a mental perspective, a mindset that's so popular today, and, and it, it's truly been around for ages, this mindset, but Today, it's you see it everywhere. You see it on slogans. Burger King has it. Have it your way. Nike has it. Just just do it. The popular saying is has it. YOLO. You only live once. And all these are just wrapped around to say the same thing. Do what you want to do. It's up to you. You can live however you want to. There's no structure. There's no way to live. There's no specific plan. You know, just live however you want. You only live once. If you feel like doing it, just do it have it your way, all of that. And it's kind of, it's a very dangerous mindset to have because people can take that with with the way they live as well, spiritually, and it can be very, very dangerous. So, um, and when reading scripture about our God, we can clearly understand that the exact opposite of that is actually true. One thing that's clear about God is that he's a God of order. Our God is a God with specific order. Our God is a God who has a certain way of doing things. And that's exactly how he operates. That's how our God is. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, God, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So our God is a God who's structured. There's no confusion in his plan. He has a way of doing things. He has a way that he he is. The Bible, there's another place in scripture, I'm just paraphrasing it, but it talks about how um, the invisible God, uh, so that things are clearly seen without excuse. And it talks about how the things that we're, the things are clearly seen. There's no excuse so there's no confusion in his plan. And uh, our God is a God of order. God said, let all things be done decently and in order. God wants things to be done in order. God wants order. God is a God of order. God is a God of structure. And uh, another thing about God is that his structure and his order does not change. Malachi 3 and 6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So that tells me what God liked back in that day. He still likes today. What he disliked back then, he still likes today. Or he still dislikes, rather, because he is a God that does not change his order. His order, or his word, or his plan, uh, does not change. It stays the same. And that's, that's very, very settling to know. Because there's religions that teach things that far different from what they taught 200 years ago, or... 50 years ago or however long ago. But we know our God, the way he it's taught, it doesn't change. 
Psalms 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So God's word is forever settled in heaven. It ain't changing. It ain't going away. It ain't, God's word ain't backing down. It's forever settled. And then John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So that scripture right there could be read also as, In the beginning was the plan, the plan was with God, the plan was God. Um, or in that, that word, the word in that, in that verse is translated from the Greek as logos, which means the plan or the blueprint of God. Uh, so it could it could be said the in the beginning was the blueprint the blue the blueprint the blueprint was God and the the blueprint was with God the blueprint was God or even further translation could translate that all the way back to the word Jesus and it could be read in the beginning was Jesus and the word and and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God so now I'm not trying to get into oneness tonight we will definitely get into oneness uh, before too long but uh, oneness. It's something that, that you're going to love to be taught. It's something I love. It's probably one of my favorite topics. But uh, So another thing we can understand about God um, and His plan is that not only is He a God of order and a God that His Word is, a, is ordered, but He's also a God that requires order out of His creation. Um, Psalms 37 and 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So God orders the steps of his people. God chooses the way that they're going to live, the way they're going to walk, the way that they're going to talk. The way that they're going to live is, is ordered by God. And then Isaiah 38 and 1 says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order. For thou shalt die and not live. So as the church of God, it would be very, very foolish for us to try and live any which way we'd like to. And try to live like God doesn't require things out of his people. And uh, we got to understand God does require things out of his people. And that leads us to a topic called holiness, which we've already discussed previously um, a little bit. But... uh. What is holiness? So we've learned how holiness means to be sanctified, which is separated to God. But there's another aspect of holiness I want to remind us of. And that is that holiness also means to be different or distinct from everything else around us that's common. So God in his nature is holy. He is truly holy. So God is different. He's distinct from everything around him. And that makes him naturally holy. Us, however, as the church of God, humans, we are not naturally holy. Naturally, our nature is filthy, rotten, stinky flesh, just like everyone else around us. We're all the same. So therefore, our nature is not holiness. So God still called us to be holy. First um, Peter chapter number 1 verse 15 says but if, but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy so God clearly wants us to be holy so if if God is naturally holy different than everyone else around him no one's like him 
He's naturally holy and we have to be like him. We have to be holy. God's called us and instructed us to be holy. How do we do that? We have to become holy. We have to put on something or put off certain things that will make us different than everyone else around us. That will separate us from everyone else around us. So being separated to God, but also separated from the world. Um, Different than everything else around us. Um, and that's God's nature. God's nature is holy, yet our nature is not holy. So we have to put on holiness. We have to be holy. We have to become different and distinct from everything else around us. So that is God's nature is holiness. Holy, set apart, separated from everything else and distinct from everything else around us. And I, I imagine tonight a big ball pit. I want you to imagine it. It's a big ball pit with red balls. But right in the middle of the all the hundreds of red balls in that ball pit, there's a nice big yellow ball that sticks out from everything else. That's exactly how God's church was intended to be. In a world where everything is common, everything else is the same, there's a church that is holy. A church that is different, distinct, set apart from everything else around it. Um, so, and that's exactly how God intended for His church. So, we got to understand that meaning of holiness. And we got to also realize that outward holiness alone is not good. Outward holiness is only holy if it reflects inward holiness. You can literally be look holy... You could dress totally different than everyone else, talk totally different than everyone else, but your thought life could be so much like everybody else that you're not holy. So holiness is not just outward behaviors. It's not just dressing, acting, talking certain ways or or keeping certain things out of our homes that 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 is that doesn't make us holy, but we can do all of those things and still not be holy. True holiness is knowing and that understanding I've got to be set apart. I've got to be different in my heart and on my on my body, on the outside and on the inside. True, true holiness is something that starts on the inside. It starts on the heart and it works its way and reflects out. Um, so people can act totally holy on the outside. You could totally think, okay, they're, they've got it all together. They are holy. They're set apart, but they're actually so, so unholy on the inside. So true holiness, and I want you to remember that. That's something that you've got to carry with you everywhere, is that true holiness starts on the inside and flows to the outside. And you cannot, just because you behave well and you look good and you sound good, true holiness is that separation that starts on the inside and works its way out. So God's the commandment was given in 1 Peter 1. But 1 Peter 2 kind of gives us a good, good depiction of God's church. It says in verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So that sounds to me like God's called his church to a different level. He said, I've, 
You know, you're a chosen generation. I've chosen you a royal priesthood. I put royalty on you. I've made you majestic, a holy nation. I've set you apart. I've made you distinct and different, a peculiar people. I've chosen you to myself. You're you're separate from everything else around you. That is God's intention for his church, to be different from everything else. And um, there's something in the Bible that I want to talk about before going into the depths of holiness and the meaning of holiness, truly. Um, And that is symbolisms. So in the Bible, there's things called symbolisms that are used to convey hidden messages and different hidden meanings and hidden principles to the audience, to those that are listening. And the way that works, uh, for example, you have the olive branch, and that in the Bible was a symbol of mercy. And it's even today a symbol of mercy. Uh, if you look at the U.S. presidential seal, you'll see the the eagle is carrying in one in one leg an olive branch. And that olive branch is used to symbolize mercy. It's used to symbolize that America, the president, is showing mercy to our foes, to our enemies, to our allies. And we're, we're as a country, showing that compassion and reaching out and showing that mercy and giving out the olive branch to, to those in the world across the world and uh, that's a symbolism and the same thing's true you're going to see different stories in the word of God as you read them and you're going to uncover different meanings and different things that are used the Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine so all scripture whether it's in Genesis Exodus Isaiah Jeremiah um, Malachi, Psalms, all of it can be used and pointed back or built upon to help doctrine, to help teach truth, to help teach uh, what we believe. And, and so that's something that's key to remember. And the reason I brought that out is because I'm fixing to bring out a story um, and it's truly showing us about a little more about holiness um, through symbolism. And so... You may ask, and I want to answer this question, where was hold, the word holy, the word holy, first used and found in Scripture? And uh, it's found in Exodus chapter number 3, verse number 5. We're going to start reading in verse number 1, and we're going to get down. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So, Holy ground. That's exactly where it started. So I kind of want to just briefly kind of uh, skim through and we're going to come back tomorrow night or on the next episode, hopefully tomorrow night, um, to discuss what happened because I know we left off when man was separated from God and driven out of the Garden of Eden. And we're going to talk about what happened 
after that, what happened after that. But um, I'm going to jump ahead to this to help teach holiness and that there is a specific way to live and that God does require a specific blueprint followed by his church. Um, So quickly skimming over, um, after men were driven out of the Garden of Eden, many years went by, God was, the flood came, Um, after that there was uh, several generations that went by, and eventually the people of God, the children of God, God's children, were, were brought in to Egypt. And Egypt is a symbolism. We talked about symbolisms. Egypt is a symbolism of the world. Um, the world around us. So today, modern, modern world, you, in this story, we can look in, in the story as today, the, Egypt being today's world and the children of Israel being today's church. And so the church was in the world. The children of Israel were in the world. They were in the world for a total of 420 years. They were in slavery, bound up by the Egyptians, bound up by the world. And Moses was a man that God used, and God was going to use him to help deliver the people out of the world, out of slavery, out of Egypt. And so Moses, he was in Midian for a while, serving as a shepherd under his father-in-law. And one day God calls Moses, and Moses is just out keeping sheep, just like any other day. And Moses sees a bush, and the bush is there, and it's burning, but it's not being consumed. It's on fire, there's flames, but the bush ain't being destroyed. It's just there And it's not being consumed by the flames. And so Moses looked and he saw the bush. And uh, God called to him out of the bush. And he said, Moses, here am I. Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And that's the very first place holy was used. And for me... Um, knowing a little bit of backstory and knowing a little bit about all of this, it it very, 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 very significant thing here that's going on. And it helps me to see, even today, in the, the church world today, it helps me to see holiness better. And I want to share the little this with you. So the burning bush is where the call to lead the people out of Egypt was. So God, again, Egypt was the world God's people was the, is now the church God called Moses to lead the people out of the world out of Egypt so God was going to lead the church out of the world the people that his people out of the world so another way of saying that would be God was trying to make them holy God was trying to separate them from the world because God didn't want them mingled in with the world. So from that point on, when God called Moses that day at the bush on holy ground, God's purpose was for there to be a difference between Egypt and Israel. So God made the ground holy to show 
there's going to be a difference between Egypt and Israel. There's going to be a difference between the church and the people of God. I'm bringing them to a place where they're no longer mixed in. They're free from that. They're out of the world. So God meant for them to be different. God commanded his children to live differently than they did in Egypt. Once, so fast forward, and God did eventually, uh, the story of the Exodus and the plagues of Egypt are very, very, very um, significant stories and very powerful stories and stories that we will be covering. But um, let's fast forward to them being out of the Egypt. Eventually, God, after ten plagues, God freed the people from Egypt brought them out of Egypt, separated them unto himself, separated them from the world. They no longer were like the world. They no longer were like in the, trapped in the world, um, trapped in Egypt. So I could say that today, like the church of, of the Most High God, we are now, once we come to God, once we, okay, God, I've surrendered myself. I'm ready to live my life with the purposes of glorifying you, giving you pleasure and walking in a relationship with you, God. God, after that, and you've come out of the world, you've separated yourself unto God. You've said, God, I want to be holy. God, I want to be different. God, I want to be set apart from the world. I don't want to be like Egypt. I want to be out of Egypt. God, you've taken me out of Egypt. So once you're out of Egypt, God commanded his children to be different than they were in Egypt. In Leviticus 18 and 2, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, or speak unto the people of God, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So God told the people of Israel, God told the church, if you will. This was the church. Don't forget, this is the church. This is the people of God. Anytime you're reading in your Bible, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, that is a symbol of his church. That is a symbol of the people of God today. So imagine yourself, if you are reading the Old Testament and you read the children of Israel, that is you. That is you and I. That is the people of God. That is Christians today. That is the followers of Jesus Christ, the church. That is the church. That is you and me. And so God was basically telling you and me, after the doings of the land of Egypt, after the doings of the world that you that you used to live in, and I'm just trying to simplify the words, but wherein ye dwelt shall ye not do. After the doings of the land of Egypt, what they did in Egypt where you were dwelling, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. You should not do that. Don't walk in their ordinances, but you shall do my judgments and do my ordinances. So God did expect that out of the church. God did expect that out of them. So whenever someone tries to tell you, God wouldn't expect you to do a certain thing. God wants you to just be a free, a free-flying Christian without any laws, without any, 
any barriers, without anything, any way to live, any specific ordinances to follow, you know, just happy-go-lucky Christian, as long as I love Jesus. No, God commanded his children to be different than they were in Egypt. He said, hey, the way that they were in Egypt, I don't want you being like that. I've set you apart. I've made you different. I've made you unto me. You're no longer like everyone around me. You're to be holy. And uh, there's scriptures, verses all throughout where the God is saying, be holy. I want you to be holy. I want you to be holy. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. And there's law, the book of the laws, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those, those books of the law, those are full of laws that God created. Those are full of different, of all the laws and the, the different things that God set in order that the church should follow, that, that his people should follow, um, that, and, and many of those laws were there to make them different. Some laws were there, you know, to, to protect people. Some of those laws were there to keep them safe because there were certain things such as like eating laws on the way they ate that were there to help them not get diseases and sick. But the, a lot of those laws were there in place to help make them that they were different. They were set apart. They were separate. They were holy unto God. So the expectation is the same of today's church, the New Testament church that we are in and a part of today. The expectation is the same. It doesn't change with time. We've already learned that God's plan doesn't change. If God expected his people to be different then, he expects his people to be different today. In Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, says, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walked in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. So, even in today's church, he says, I would not have you uh, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Don't walk like the other Gentiles. I want you to walk differently. I want you to be different. I want you to be set apart because this is my church. God has called his church unto him. That's exactly why he already spoke about his church, saying they're a chosen generation. God's chosen this church. God's chosen the people of God. He set us apart. And um, it's a plus. It's a plus to be set apart. Um Previously, we were living in sin. We were dead in sin. But now, God's called us out of that sin. God's called us to live in heavenly places. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where This is talking about his people. We were once dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we have had, we, we all have had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So our enemy is going to try to tell us, Oh man, 
You don't got to live like that. You don't got to be a part of the church. The church has all these rules and regulations and restrictions and barriers and you can't do this and can't do that. And oh, why would you go to church? Why would you live for God? Why would you why would you become a Christian whenever you got to put away things and you can't do this and can't do that and can't have no fun and blah, 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 blah. But no, no, no. We are in a different church. We are now in the church of God. We're in a place where we can live for God. We're in a place where we can glorify God. We're in a place where we can uh, please God and, and walk with God. That is our purpose. We're going to fulfill our purpose. But, and this podcast is coming to a close. I'm, I'm getting ready to close up for the night. But I just want to remind everyone, when, when the devil tries to come after you and tell you, um, oh, you don't, the church is not made to be different. God has called us to be different. And that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. God is, God loves us so much that he wants us to be set apart for him, set apart unto him. And that is exactly what we're doing. So when the entire world stands up and tries to put on the mindset of the era that says there's not a difference in the world in the church, we got to remember that God has called us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Um, what is salt? Salt is a preservative. We are the, are the church and we are preserving every bit of good that's left in this world. If there was not a church, this world would be sunk. The only thing, the only reason there's any good in this world is because there's a church that's shining the light of Christ, that's showing the world that we still have hope. All hope is lost for everyone that does not have God, that does not have Jesus, that does not have the Holy Ghost. All hope is gone. But the church is still standing. The church is still alive. The church is still on the move. The church is still... We're not an anemic church. We're a church that's going to grow. We're a church that's got life. And we're a church that's going to shine the light of Christ to this dark world. We're going to shine the light because we're set apart. We're set to be different. And you should wake up tomorrow with a new revelation. I'm now a part of the church. When I become a part of the church, it's not a, a membership, it's not a subscription, but it's it's something you put on. It's something you become a part of. It's it's something not just a member club that we're joining, but no, it's something that we are bought into. It's something that we celebrate. It's something that we we die for. It's something because it's the church. It's what we have that, that makes us different. It's what we have that sets us apart. And uh, so we can't be half in the world, half of God, because we've already covered the fact that sin and God cannot coexist. Sin and God do not mix. It's the oil and water, if you remember. But we have to be different. We have to be set apart, separate from the world. And so tomorrow we will delve in to what happened when man was driven out of the garden and something that was established and I want to and it's going to be called blood sacrifices blood sacrifices and uh, that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow is blood sacrifices and so don't think oh well I that that already gone above my head I'm going to skip out on episode five because blood sacrifices just does not sound like I'll be able to understand that I promise you, if you'll come to episode 5, 
I will make it as simple that a five-year-old could understand it. Um, I will make it so simple that you can understand it quickly and you'll be able to grasp what blood sacrifices were and you'll be able to understand. So tonight, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next time. God bless.